Welcome to Hadley Presents. I'm your host, Ricky Enger, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with the experts. In this episode, we discuss facing challenges, and our guests are mindfulness expert Tiffany Gusky, interviewed by Hadley Learning expert Debbie Warman. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ricky. It's great to be here. Good morning, Ricky. This is great. Nice to see you and Debbie, at least virtually again. Both of you have been on Hadley Presents before and uh, actually did one of our most popular episodes, which was on uh, mindfulness. And so for those of you listening, if you haven't checked that out yet, you definitely want to do so because it's very useful. Let's just do a quick intro for those who haven't heard that previous episode and want to know who you both are. We'll start with you, Debbie. Well, I'm a learning expert with Hadley, as you said, and I've been with Hadley since 1988, and everybody can do the math on that one. Um, Currently, I'm creating workshops, working on podcasts, and I'm also co-host of three of our discussion groups here at Hadley. That definitely keeps you busy. Those discussion groups are really, really cool as well, so check those out. Tiffany, uh, let's get a little info about you. So I have been practicing mindfulness for uh, pretty religiously for about 20 years. I would say maybe it's a little longer than that. My journey into mindfulness really has been that need and management of self for me personally. Challenges in life dealing with just my own anxieties or illness or different traumas. Everybody has situations that happen in life that are maybe not exactly what we had hoped for. And in my journey, personal journey, to do what I would call, I guess, self healing and again, management, I looked to mindfulness. I've had some great teachers along the way. I continue to look to additional experts to really kind of heighten that practice and broaden it and sharpen it. And I'm starting to delve a lot into the idea of resilience, self-compassion, and mindfulness is the foundation for that. So in this episode, we aren't going to focus exclusively on mindfulness, but it is something that uh, is probably going to come up at least a couple of times as we talk about this because it is so important. And for those who aren't familiar with it, Tiffany, can you give just maybe a one sentence, just a really quick description of what mindfulness is? Really, it's about the idea of paying attention on purpose in the moment. It's that conscious choice to say, I am paying attention in this moment on purpose. Even before the latest that's happening in the world, we all had obstacles to overcome. We all had things that uh, life placed in our path that we weren't necessarily expecting. And a lot of times we don't know, you know, how to approach these challenges and things seem really overwhelming and Uh, how do we do this and still feel okay about ourselves regardless of the outcome? And so those are some of the things that we're going to uh, dive into in today's episode. And so with that, I'd like to turn it over to Debbie and Tiffany. Tiffany, our last podcast, as Ricky said, we talked a lot about mindfulness. We introduced folks to the practice of mindfulness. And I'm wondering if for today's discussion, we can really focus in on how a practice of mindfulness can help us navigate through those challenging times. And when I'm thinking of that, I'm thinking about tapping into one's resilience. So as we begin, how might mindfulness help us move forward 
during those seemingly impossible moments in our life. I'm thinking of those listening who may be coping with uh, sudden vision loss, maybe an unexpected job change, perhaps an illness, or whatever big or small challenge could stop us in our tracks. So the first thing that came to mind, Debbie, when you said we, you know, we have these challenges, these, these unexpected situations, sometimes they even are somewhat expected. But I think, um, and Ricky, you, you mentioned this as well in the introduction, is the idea of overwhelm. And I think there's an element of, first of all, recognizing where you are and being okay with that idea of overwhelm. Sometimes we have the impression that being overwhelmed isn't okay or it's a sign of weakness when really it's it's about recognizing where you are. We all have a range of emotions and feelings that go through us any given moment, quite frankly. And that sense of overwhelm, the mindfulness is what helps us become aware of what's happening for us. And then we can actually take action. But it's okay and actually expected that you feel overwhelmed. And, you know, some psychology would indicate that by not acknowledging that, it just gets pressed deeper and deeper and causes, you know, additional problems if you don't address what's happening as far as the sense of overwhelm. So I think, first of all, being able to recognize that that's what's happening and that's how you're feeling. And mindfulness is a foundation for that. Mindfulness gives us that baseline to come back to to say, okay, wait a second, what's happening for me? What's happening in my body? What's happening in my brain? What is going on for me that I can recognize and be present with? And once we do that, I think we're able to figure out what's next. And I think it's also important that we don't put a timeline on it. So I, I may be making it sound like I'm saying, oh, gee, something just occurred. I feel it overwhelmed. I'm recognizing that. Okay, deep breath. And now I'm moving forward. It may not be that way. And it also might be very up and down that we're, we're feeling overwhelmed. We get a little bit of a plan in action for ourselves for the, for the hour, for the day, for the week, whatever it is. And then we start to become overwhelmed again. And that's okay. There's a very normal experience of being up and down and up and down. But that idea of having a toolkit to go to, to say, where am I at in these ups and downs? And what do I need to do for myself? What kind of permission do I need to give myself? How do I take the right action, which in any given moment may also be in action? It's about finding that balance and being with ourselves in that moment. I loved what you said about it being a normal experience, because what happens is sometimes we just really beat ourselves up that we can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or carry on and we feel less than. So having you just say that some of these feelings are normal, it's a normal experience. And and what are those what next moments, those steps we need to take? And, and just by saying that stopping and recognizing what we're feeling is so important, I call those now what moments. Now, what am I going to do? And so it's important to recognize that those are normal feelings. Everybody has challenging moments in their lives, big or small, as I said. Right. And there's no judgment on what is big or small either. I think sometimes we will come across our own issue. Like, for example, the idea of vision loss. You, you might say, well, this, this isn't as bad as something else or someone else had this kind of a loss in their life. And it's really not about the comparison. It's about turning to yourself and understanding where you are in any given moment, in any given day. And it's not about who might be worse or who might be better. It's about taking that time and care for yourself. 
And there really, there's this idea of when we have these moments, having self-compassion. And really what that means is speaking to ourselves the same way that we might a very good friend. So if we had a good friend come to us with an issue or something that was happening for them, how would we speak to them? What kind of kindness, what kind of compassion would we have? The judgment likely wouldn't be there the way that it is for ourselves. And so one of the first steps that we can do for ourselves there is to say, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I need to take a moment. What can I do? Well, the first thing I need to do is not judge myself. The first thing that I need to do is give myself permission to feel badly, give myself permission to feel as if I don't have control and that know that that's okay and have that positive self-talk with ourselves instead of saying, why can't you pick yourself up? Why are you upset when there's someone else worse off than you? Everyone has their own personal moments that they need to take care in for themselves. And the more that we can practice that, the easier we can flow through life. You know, it's not about being selfish, selfish toward, you know, it's about really recognizing what's going on inside of you. Um, And I love how you put it. Um, Think about how you would treat a friend who was going through a hard time. I mean, to me, that says it all. How would I treat one of my friends And then why can't I treat myself like that? What are some things, if we're having trouble with that, doing that, what are some things that we can do that can help us get there? Like what if we just, we're we're just always thinking of other people when, when it comes to ourselves, we just kind of like can't get there. What are some things we could possibly do to help us? I think that it can be quite uncomfortable and unfortunately unnatural. So again, when I say that I attempt to model it and I'm not always successful myself, you know, I can be highly critical, highly judgmental, you know, that's when I have to reel myself back in. So back to this idea of mindfulness. So the idea is that I am choosing in this very moment to be paying attention. So it's not coincidental. It's not someone else. It's me saying, I'm going to pay attention in this moment. And the easiest way to do that is through the breath, through our sensory system. What, what's happening with my sensory system right now? Because our mind, I, 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 have, I have a runaway brain is what I have. And so it can make up all kinds of stories. It can go down all kinds of paths. So when I'm feeling that sense of overwhelm or I'm beating myself up, I try and come back, sit and be with my breath just a couple deep breaths, getting in touch with my actual physical body. So it kind of puts my brain on hold a little bit if I'm focusing on the breathing in and breathing out. This allows me to get grounded. Then I can figure out what my decision is from there on what I need to do and how I can do this. So if I find that I'm having this negative self-talk, I may try and reverse that a little bit with, with some different types of activities. So one that I might do is again, sitting with myself. And what I do, um, and this is a this is a great technique, you can either stand or you can sit, and you put your hand on your heart. So recognizing that the world is probably not going to give us what we need, we need to find it within ourselves to give ourselves what we need. And one of the ways that we can do this is to have our hand on our heart, and say to ourselves, those things that we need. So, so perhaps it might be, may I be calm? May I be safe? May I be brave? May I be happy? 
may I be loved. Hand on heart, sitting with self. And I'm going to be honest. At first, I thought, hmm, yes, that is a little uncomfortable. Mm, I don't know if that really works. But when you do it and you become more comfortable with it, it can make a difference. And what this does is it allows us to have that sense of fulfillment from ourselves rather than seeking it from the outside world. Because when we come into these challenges or difficult situations, we can't always look to other people. Other people may be part of the equation at some point. We need to stay connected, but we need to know that we are responsible for giving that to ourselves. And in fact, if we can't give it to ourselves, we may find it difficult to receive it from others, even when it's being given to us. I used that last year when I was going through my chemo. You know, it was it was just a wonderful thing. I think they call that a loving kindness meditation. It's a loving kindness to ourselves. And so I would be all all hooked up and, and ready to go. And I would just place my hand on my heart and say, may I be brave? May I be brave? May I be strong? What, whatever came to mind. I know some people say, oh, Debbie, that, you know, that's just one of those things that you're always talking about. That doesn't work. But I just really encourage people to try it. It is so powerful and it, it really just helps ground you and brings a sense of, of calmness and, and love to yourself. It's, it's, it's called a loving kindness meditation. The, the other piece that I loved about it is, I think there are a lot of words that we can choose, but I would encourage people to think about what, what do they need and what is important for them. So, you know, you're going through the chemo, having that feeling of being brave and, and courage and, you know, that idea of even the resilience and you being able to move through this with grace and ease. These are all things that we can ask for ourselves when we say, may I be happy, may I be calm, may I be loved. And having just that personalization, I think can make a difference for us. It's what our heart needs to hear. It's what our brain needs to hear if someone else were speaking to us. And it could be as simple as maybe someone new to vision loss or, or somebody who's just coping with that, getting up every day, um, meeting the challenge of making breakfast or putting putting their makeup on. As you said before, we, we can't define big or small challenge to somebody because how we're coping with it, that's what's important to us. And these this simple exercise can just bring a wave of, of being able to face that moment, that now what moment? And well, now I'm going to pause and, and try this to see if I can secure this for myself. You know, when, when you're talking, um, Debbie, about the chemo, there are probably moments where that is so physically overwhelming. You're just looking to get to the next moment. If you're not feeling well, so we're not talking just emotionally, but physically not feeling well, that's a, that's a massive challenge that you're just trying to get through moment to moment. There might be something that is a little, a little bit more you know, complex that we're trying to work through in our life. And so the, the persistence with just giving ourselves those moments and that time, knowing that there's going to be a long journey 
you know, it, it really is about what we can do for ourselves in each moment and each scenario. It doesn't have to look the same. So when we talk about resilience and being able to kind of bounce back and giving ourselves what we need in order to do that, sometimes what we do is we think back to times where we were resilient. Because when you have those moments that you're feeling literally underwater and it doesn't feel like you have the stamina or you have the will to go forward. I find that reminding myself of challenging times that I've gotten through in the past can be really helpful because it, it reminds me of what I have done and what I was able to do and gives me some of that encouragement to be able to do it again. And it might look similar or it might look different, but it just tells me that I have that strength within me. And so really coming back to that moment and maybe even asking myself, well, what did I do that made that work? What were the things that I was doing for myself so that I could get through this? So I had the resiliency and the ability to get to the other side. And that's very tangible and concrete. Sometimes when we talk in terms that are, you know, a little bit more undefined, it's, it can be more difficult. So saying, what were the things that I was actually doing? Let me think back to that time. And this is a good question that you might ask your good friend as well, right? Well, so what did you do last time? What worked last time when you were feeling overwhelmed or when you had a real situation? You, you know, you were dealing with something significant. How did you go about it? You, you know, you lost your job or you, you lost someone that you love or you had a breakup or whatever it might be. What did you do that helped you get through? Because you are on the other side. You made it somehow. So what was working for you at that time? One of the things that helps me is to remind myself that I'm not alone as I think I am. When we're going through challenges, we, we sometimes feel just incredibly alone. And we can buy into that and start self-isolating. But we're never as alone as we think we are. So one of the things I wonder if we could explore a little bit is how can we invite others into this journey with us? How can, how can we kind of invite them to, to come along with us? So specifically, some conversations that you and I have had are actually great resources for folks. If we're talking about individuals who are having the vision loss, I think that can be extremely isolating, the shift and the change that's happening and the fear. And that sense of isolation, I understand that there are times that I need to be left alone, I need to process, I need to kind of create an action plan for myself. But I really think that that can be enhanced when we reach out to others. And so for you in particular, I know that you guys have some fantastic groups that really help to back to that idea of normalizing the experience, knowing that others have gone through this journey, they are currently potentially going through the journey. And what have they done? What has worked? Sharing our story. And um, a conversation you and I had recently, actually, and I thought that you put this just really beautifully, was that when we share of ourselves, it's a gift to others. And so as I was just saying, talking with other folks and hearing their story and knowing helps validate where I am and how I might be feeling. But the same holds true in the opposite. So by me sharing what's happening for me, my thoughts, my feelings, the actions I'm taking or possibly not taking help that individual. So this gift of connectedness and this gift of sharing 
it can really make a huge difference in your journey to being kind to self, to being able to overcome those challenges and know that you're not doing it on your own. Right. We kind of have to lean in and also be brave enough to actually be specific with family and friends and colleagues and say, I'm having a hard time right now. I wonder if you could help me um, with the laundry, though, this, I guess I bring that up because that's a biggie for me. I was going through my treatment and, and my sister-in-law kept saying, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? And I'm an incredibly stubborn person and I want to be, I want to be independent. And I want, I was going to go up and down those stairs and do that laundry. And finally I said, just do my laundry for me. <laughs> you know. So, and she was like, thank you. Thank you for letting me do your laundry. It was so funny. Uh, and she really felt it was a gift I was giving her to take my dirty clothes home and do my laundry. So you know, it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing that we tell others. It's a, it's a trust. We we're vulnerable and we say, I need, I need this. I, I need you. And it, and it may not be even something physical. It could be just, can you just listen to me? I think many of us have this need for independence. We have this need to remain in control. And somehow we feel that if we are leaning on others or asking of others, that there's something wrong with that, that that means that we are not strong enough, that we can't do this. Human beings weren't made to be alone. They're, they're really beings of connectedness and belonging. And it, it may only be a small tribe that you have, or it may be a large, but we weren't intended really to be in isolation or live alone. And so having that connectivity with others has a mutual impact on both of us. So, you know, I can remember when, you know, the years that I was helping take care of my grandmother and as she was losing sight and she was losing mobility, um, she really wanted to do things. And it was much easier for me when she could just say, you know, Tiff, can you, can you just take care of this for me? Now, I would say a lot of times my intuition and because of our closeness, I was able to figure some of that out. But I felt like it was actually really empowering for her to say it to me and let me know what she needed. It, it wasn't just about the activity of getting it done. There was that sense of empowerment. There was that sense, like you said, of trust, of love, of of wanting to be there for the other person and allowing those other people to be there for you. It really is just a very good scenario when it all plays out. Right. And it doesn't always have to be this do for me. It can, I mean, I, I really don't want to paint the picture that we want our family members and friends to be in rescue mode. We have to know the balance, right? We have to know today I'm going to challenge myself to try to make my own breakfast, to find the things in the kitchen, to be organized. And maybe I just need to, to um, have somebody come in and check something or, and, and to tell them, let me make my mistakes. Let, let me try this. As I'm learning my new skills to deal with vision loss, let me try this. You, you, don't, you don't always have to rescue me. So it really becomes, goes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning, being in touch with your feelings. What what are you willing to try on your own? What are you willing to face? And what, what do you need help with? So really, when we're in tune with ourselves, we can figure those kinds of things out. Focus, I think, is a, that's a great word to put on it. It's when we have that state 
of overwhelm coming back to ourselves somehow to figure out what we need to be focused on. So when I think about folks and I think about vision loss, there are so many pieces of that puzzle that they may be used to doing on a day-to-day basis. And they may in fact be taking a very proactive approach and anticipating what might happen and really using the, the resources that you guys at Hadley provide so that they can do that planning, but really focusing on what are those goals that I want to accomplish? What's going to help me feel better? What's going to help me feel more capable, more competent, more comfortable in my own skin? And that does take action on on my part to be able to do that. But again, I'm thinking, you know, when you've got the support groups and other people that have done it, really looking to, to others to potentially be a role model for us. How have they done it in the past? How have they done it when they face the challenge, knowing that we don't have to figure everything out ourselves, that there's probably someone else that has been through a similar scenario. And what tips might I be able to get from them so that I can be better at at my tries, at my learning, at my trying to get more comfortable with this new situation. One of the things, Tiffany, you and I have often talked about is how gratitude plays into this and and how much a gratitude practice can help us reframe our thinking. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? I think gratitude is a great way to reframe thinking. And and actually, I've been asked what my go-to mindfulness exercise is. And for me, it really is what can I find in that moment to be grateful for in my immediate environment, because it immediately shifts me away from negative thoughts into something that's my reality right now, and that sense of gratitude. I also think about this idea. So we were just talking about, you know, learning and doing new things and and trying things that might be outside of our comfort zone. And when we're in places that are unfamiliar, spaces that might be quite uncomfortable, the idea of asking ourselves what's going well. And one of the exercises that I've been doing at the end of the day, I will ask myself, what are three things that went well today? And I've talked with people and even tried this myself, the idea of the gratitude journal, and it never seems to stick for me. I like this exercise better. And, and let me tell you why. And if, if people are using a gratitude journal, it's great. And I think it can be a very good tool. Again, it just it never seemed to completely stick for me. So what the what went well for me today does is it allows me to focus on the things that I likely had some control in and their outcome. So it's a great reminder of how, number one, I can focus on these positive things. Number two, I know that I contributed to that, that I made a difference in that. And three, that I will be able to do it again, that I will have more of those moments. And sometimes these are very small, sometimes they're larger, but it's a very different mind shift from saying, you know, what am I grateful for? Because I could say, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, my family. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my dog. These, these are all things that you can certainly be grateful for. But I like the idea of what went well today. Well, what went well today is I had an opportunity to do the podcast with Ricky and Debbie. We had a wonderful conversation that helped me feel good, that helped remind me of all the things that I want to be doing, and it allowed me to share it with others. That went well today. I was very grateful to have that experience and that that opportunity. So that that feels a little different than just saying that I, you know I'm grateful for my health today. It's just got more oomph to it. I appreciate this so much, so much incredible material here, and especially the the fact that we 
don't always have to be completely independent. It's so much better for each of us when we do the things that we can, but we also seek out that connectedness and share some of our burden with others and allow them to share what they're going through with us. And in the end, we all benefit from that. Before we sign off here, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with everyone? Uh, we'll start with you, Debbie. Oh, I would just really just like to reinforce um, this this whole idea of self-compassion. Uh, just to, so people, if they're having trouble with that, to maybe listen to this podcast a couple times over so that it really resonates with them. Each and every one of us needs to have self-compassion. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, Debbie. I would also just, you know, remind ourselves for those of us who who are more independent and really want to, you know, be able to do things on our own, just to be reminded that one of the ways that we build this resilience, this ability to bounce back, it does start with self-compassion. And so that's definitely a tool and a skill that we want to build in order to build, you know, our resilience and, and looking to that idea of mindfulness and getting in touch with ourselves so that we can make these choices around what our actions and feelings are going to be. Thank you so much, Debbie and Tiffany, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. Got something to say? Share your thoughts about this episode of Hadley Presents or make suggestions for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at hadley.edu. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at hadley.edu or leave us a message at 847-784-2870. Thanks for listening.